It's Animal Calls! Does your dog seem like he's on doggy downers? Does your cat act less than catty? Does your horse keep saying, of course, just to agree with you instead of saying what he really wants? If so, you've come to the right place. Animal Calls takes your calls, helps you understand your pets, and helps them thrive. And now, here's our ringmaster of the Animal Crackers world, UW-certified animal behaviorist, Carpathia Kingsley. Yay. Welcome to Animal Calls. I'm your host, Carpathia Kingsley, taking a break from my own personal zoo in the glorious Pacific Northwest to answer your pet, livestock, and wildlife-related behavior questions. I'm a certified animal behaviorist out of the Grand University of Washington, so don't be afraid to call with your questions. Unlike some of your naughty pets, I don't bite. Well, sometimes, maybe I do. So here we are today. Do we have any callers? Looking for Eric. Yeah, we <laughs> Earth to Eric. <laughs> no callers just yet, but uh, we'd love to have some callers at 888-298-KKNW or 425-373-5527. Call now to talk to Carpathia. And we're looking forward to having some calls. I'll go ahead and start a topic, a conversation right now. There's a lot going on in Northern California, as most of you probably know. I personally am a survivor of the California campfire in Paradise, where I had to evacuate with an entire farm of animals by myself. And my heart goes out to everybody going through this, including one of the uh, co-producers of this show who had to evacuate from his house and another friend of mine who lives in Greenville who had to leave her home. As I was on the phone with her, she received the mandatory evacuation call to get out and grabbed her dog and her cats. Her home had burned down in paradise in the campfire and she relocated to Greenville and um, sure is possibly regretting that move right now. She lost pets in the campfire. Uh, she had cats that she couldn't get her hands on when the fire broke out and they um, more than likely were deceased from the fire. So that's something that I wouldn't mind kind of talking about today is containment of your pets. If you have pets, if you have livestock, especially even more difficult, are you prepared to get out of, of an emergency situation like this? I mean, and hopefully you will never have to deal with something like this, but right now I have friends who are dealing with it as we speak and I myself had to go through this as well. And at the time I did not even have a horse trailer for my horse. So, I mean, you always want to be prepared. You always want to be ready. And this is where a lot of animal behavior and the uh, disposition of your pets and the relationship that you have with them can be of utmost importance in, in a situation like this. Lots of people I see, I go to people's homes and their animals are relatively out of control. They end up with uh, pets that they can't get their hands on. This is often especially true with livestock. You have animals that are running crazy and um, you don't have cages, you don't have kennels, and you don't have uh, the means and transportation to get animals out of an emergency situation. Don't, don't just chalk it up to thinking someone's going to be there for you. Don't just chalk it up to thinking that someone's going to come to your rescue 
and be there for you to scoop you up and all of your animals when this is happening, because I'm telling you, everybody's got their hands tied. There may not be communication back and forth. And something that I personally experienced when I received the mandatory evacuation call in my town to get out was a lack of resources to to help you. In the evacuation call, it stated if you need help evacuating to call 911. I immediately promptly called 911 and got a yeah, person on the line who was saying, you know, we're prioritizing human life right now. I couldn't even grasp this. My my mind couldn't even process what was going on. It was happening so fast and I just pleaded my case to this lady on the phone saying, I have a farm and I'm here by myself. I, I'm going to need help getting out of here. I need help evacuating. And she, uh, she had said, we're prioritizing human life, but, um, you know, hang on and I'll get you to the substation to talk to a sheriff. When they tried to connect me to the substation, the line started screeching and went dead. And then the electricity went out and there was no power. There was no cell phone reception due to lines burning and smoke in the air and all this where you were just jettisoned back into what seemed like the 1800s and you're just on your own. You are, you're sitting there on your own having to deal with this. I was sick to my stomach just running back and forth grabbing cages upon cages, which fortunately was something that I collected. Um, kennels and cages. And I started putting little tags on each one of them of who's going in where and separating my roosters from my chickens and my geese. <laughs> and I had my horse and my goat and, and my dogs. Uh, I had a whole, whole thing going on up in the mountains there. And just playing Tetris, packing all of these kennels and cages into an SUV and not having a horse trailer and looking at my horse and thinking, you know, this is it. I don't know what I'm going to do with him. And a lot of people have their thoughts and their opinions on how they would deal with a situation like this. Well, let the horse go. Let the horse go free. In my situation, um, I would ride my horse to the mailbox. The mailbox is all the way out at the main road, which is the only road out at this point. And I knew that if I were to set him loose, he's going to run right towards the mailboxes, possibly get hit by a car. Not only is he being jeopardized now, but you drop a thousand pound animal on the only road out and now you're, you're, you're putting humans and everyone at risk. So that wasn't something I could do. And, you know, there's a lot of things to consider. They tell you don't leave halters on your horse, but then some people will say, write your phone number on your horse's halter. Uh, you don't want nylon halters because nylon halters can burn and actually singe and adhere to, to the horse. So leather is better. Uh, if you don't have a halter at all, there's products you can use like Blue Coat, which uh, most people who have livestock know what Blue Coat is. It comes in a spray can. It's an antiseptic and antifungal medication that we use. But you can also use it like spray paint and write your phone number on your horse's hips. Speaking uh, of phone numbers, we should <laughs> announce... We should announce to call 425-373-5527 to talk to Carpathia about any topic about animals you might have. You can also visit our website at animalcallsradio.com. Again, the number 425-373-5527. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you very much. And please visit our website. We, um, we are completely 
running off of um, sponsors, advertisers, and donations. So if you would like to jump in on that, we would love to invite you to do that and to have you. So back to what I was saying in regards to evacuating with livestock, um, you know, say you have a dark colored horse, that's going to be more problematic with trying to mark them with some kind of a dark stain with your telephone numbers and whatnot. And then another thing, you know, when you're going 100 miles an hour and your mind is shot, I started writing phone numbers on my horse's halter. And what I wrote was my landline, (laughs) not thinking that you know, if my house burns down, that's probably not going to be a functioning telephone number anymore. So there's so many things that you just, you want to prepare for ahead when you have your wits about you. Because when this happens, if, and hopefully it never does, you're not going to really have your wits about you. And, um, you know, if you do, kudos to you for being able to keep it together. My friend who I was on the phone with yesterday was remaining very calm, very, very calm. She even got a first warning call uh, with an evacuation warning that she calmly sat there and read. And it wasn't for her immediate area because she had it set to a 40 mile radius. Then as I was on the phone with her, the second warning came in and that was for her. And she just very calmly said, I have to go. And she was out of there. So have a plan, super important, but also to have a good relationship with your animals is crucial. And in situations like this, it can be, uh, I mean, beyond crucial, it can be something that saves lives. I, I remember apologizing to so many of my animals because of the almost brutality that I was having to put them through to contain them and get them in little cages that I could shove into the back of an SUV. And, uh, you know, I'm doing this with geese and having to know that I have a male and female goose, uh, geese that are a bonded mated pair. So the male can be quite aggressive um, and that's his job, protecting the female as it should be. So it's important to know how to manage your animals. In that case, you wanna get him first. You're not gonna get her first. If you go for her first, the male is gonna do his job and go on the attack and then this is gonna throw you off. So I knew to grab him first and contain him and then getting her was easy and containing her. So again, you know, I also have finches. I was having to catch them by hand from a flight cage to pack them into a smaller cage to put into the car. And um, again, have little nets. Uh, go to the dollar store and get little those little those little butterfly nets. Something that you know you can fit through the door of a bird cage. Uh, Another good one to have is nets that you get for a fish tank. If you go to the dollar store or, you know, any number of places you can go and cheaply purchase those tiny little nets that you use for fish tanks, that's something that can fit through the door of a cage that you can use to trap and, and grab small birds that you can't get your hands on necessarily like a finch. Finches are often not hand tamed. Some of of mine I've had since they were hatched out of eggs, but they're not really much of a hands-on bird. It causes them a lot of uh, stress to manage that. I also have a parrot, a conure, who's a piece of cake to get your hands on. I hand-tamed him and raised him from a baby, so that was very easy. But you you want to be able to manage your animals, and you want to have a plan as to who to get first, what kind of cages they can fit in, a vehicle that you know that you have that has gas in it, that has a good battery in it, 
that you can use to pack your animals into. Um, all of these things are just so, so important. And to, may, to, to have gasoline, another thing that happens often in fires when the power is shut off is the gas stations will be closed. So you want to have all this ready and set ahead. Know how to hook up your horse trailer. Know where your cages are. Have everything ready and and prepared. Be be prepared. And again, um, working with your animals ahead of time so that in an emergency situation they're not frightened and running away from you. I've known a lot of people that had to leave animals behind, such as cats, uh, often livestock, because they're not handled enough. And sometimes that's just not something we can really do much about. But if you can, now's the time to start managing and handling your animals and working with their behavior problems, working with that training, that they come to you uh, when they're called, that they, you know, aren't running away from you. Because one animal that you're spending that much time on trying to catch and contain can be a matter of life and death. Um, I remember when I was containing my chickens, I had a turkey that loved to roost all the way up at the top of the hen house. And the hen house that I had, you could walk into. So when I say up at the top, I'm, I mean like she's seven feet up in the air and I needed to get her. <laughs> what are you going to do with a 20 pound turkey that you don't want to have become a um, premature Thanksgiving dinner, right? You, you got to get that animal. So I'm asking for her forgiveness as I'm jumping and grabbing a leg. And large birds, such as turkeys and geese and whatnot, you, you don't manage them by the leg. You don't want to pick up animals like that by the leg. They're heavy. I, I know you can do this with chickens. You can grab chickens by the legs and hang them upside down and they become docile and you can bag them or uh, contain them in any number of ways that you need to in an emergency. But with your larger birds that weigh a lot, like your turkeys and your geese, that can actually cause dislocation of a leg. So what I had to do was jump and um, grab one leg and yank her down and then catch her. So am I seeing, am I seeing we that do. we have somebody who wants to call with a follow-up? That's right. We do have a caller on the line right now. We've got Cheryl calling from pa Paradise, California. She called last week. She wants to follow up on some of the advice that you gave. So, Cheryl, welcome to Animal Calls. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. Hi. I called last week, and I was asking about my Sheltie um, that barks a whole lot, and you had given me some advice about how to kind of deal with her as far as, like, calling her over and not spraying her with water and doing crazy things that I was doing. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah. It is working. <laughs> It is helping, but she's still doing a lot of barking, and I don't know how long do you, what I'm wondering, how long do you think over the long term that this is going to really work good? Absolutely. Um, continuing doing something, it's, it's repetition and reconditioning the animal takes time. You know, if you're having any kind of results in one week, kudos to you for, for that and for sticking with it. And it is something that takes time because what you're trying to do is recondition the animal to have a different response to what you're, you're trying to achieve there. That definitely takes time. Okay, because it is doing some good. I call her over, and I'll make her sit, and she she sits really well, and then she wants to shake hands. It's funny. 
<laughs> so, and then I'll let I'll make her sit there for maybe ten seconds. I don't know. Is that long enough? Oh, for in, I... in the terms of a, of dog behavior, yes, yeah. ten seconds is is great. Seconds. If you can, oh, okay. if she can sit there and be nice and quiet, you, the key is you just don't want to give that reward instantaneously to where they are connecting. They're making a bridge between the bad behavior and the reward. Otherwise, it's kind of a reversal of their training you. Like I bark and I get a treat. Uh, you're wanting to imprint that moment of them quieting down. So after they have quieted down, then they have done what you wanted them to do. And it's, it's redirecting that and creating a, um, you know, solidifying a new behavior for them. That's a positive behavior. So it's, it's reconditioning basically. Okay. So, so it is working then for me. That's awesome. And, and yeah, no, I do you, you got to keep it up. going to come along and the, the less she'll be barking. Well, and, and kind of what I was just talking about before um, my topic I'm, I'm kind of going into today is the fires. <laughs> and um, I, oh. I believed you were from Northern California. Yes, I'm here and it's so smoky. It's unbelievable. I'm actually at work and I just took my children outside for 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, boy. So it's crazy. Oh. It's crazy here. I, yeah. I hope it's your house isn't in any kind of danger oh so do i i keep watching you know the fire fire calls and everything so far we're good so thank goodness yeah, i just i just hope everything keeps going to the good you know absolutely but i oh, don't i don't it, like the fact that my little dogs even has has to breathe this smoke because it's not good for her either well, and, and this is one of those situations, too, where if she was used to um, having a water bottle shot at her, you don't want her to panic in something like this where you potentially could have an emergency where you need to get her out and have her want to be running away from you because she's used to being punished when she's doing something wrong where she might run and hide and run away from you. So this this conditioning actually is is twofold working really well in the situation where you're in a dangerous um, environment right there and you want this dog to always come to you. You want this dog to run to you and, and be right there. Yes. And I mean, she's gotten to where, like when she's barking, even if she's in the back of the house, I'll, I'll call her. Sometimes I have to call her like two or three times, but then she will come and sit by me. So I'm thinking I'm making some kind of progress. You just you just keep that up, and um, okay. like I say, once you've got that and you've redirected that behavior to to that, you can continue with different things of what you would like the dog to do. Sometimes, you know, it, it would be when you get them to stop barking to come and sit down, and just that is the new command of redirecting that into a training technique of this is what you're going to do instead of sitting there and barking at whatever things that you're barking at that isn't what you want the dog to be barking at and be mindful that sometimes you do want the dog to be barking to alert you to something like smoke <laughs> speaking of barking we're hoping that you will call in and bark at us our call-in number if you'd like to ask a question of carpathia is 425-373-5527 or toll free 888-298-KKNW which is 888-298 5569 or 425-373-5527. Visit our website at animalcallsradio.com for more information.
We do hope you do visit the website and follow us there. And you can even watch us and live stream us from different locations on the internet. And um, we'll get you the information to do that as well. I believe it is up on the website. Is it not? It is indeed. Fantastic. And so is Cheryl gone now? I'm still here. You're still here. Fantastic. I just heard We're all glad. numbers again. That's awesome. I have it programmed into my phone. Oh, good. Good, 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 good. Because we want to yeah, keep good. getting follow-ups. Absolutely. And I will keep you informed in um, anything else, you know, that works. Because I want her to come when I call her. I don't want her to be afraid of me. You know, because I, I, need, I need her to come. And I need her to bark when there's people outside. I need her to bark if somebody's at the front door or if there's something crazy going on outside. So I don't want to discourage that part of it. Well, and see, that's 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 the big issue with a lot of this. You know, dogs barking is is their form of communicating, and uh, we need them to bark. That this is how they're alerting us to things. It's when barking becomes problematic, and we need to be able to communicate back with the dog to get these things under control, so that we we have that level of communication with the animal. Why are you barking? is is the big question you know rather than how do i just stop the dog from barking i i especially with shelties oh my goodness do i hear a lot of people say that they want to have the animal debarked and oh, i mean unless terrible. no 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 you don't no. want to do that oh good grief In, unless it's a matter of there's no way to get this dog into a home and this dog's going to be euthanized um there's things that that are just I, I I am very against it unless unless there's just absolutely no no option other than having the dog destroyed and I I don't like hearing that. But again, it's it's understanding the dog and where they're coming from and establishing communication and uh, a relationship with the animal so that you know why is this animal barking. I have a bird that will scream his little head off if um, I'm cooking and he smells smoke. So I, <laughs> do I get mad at him for screaming his head off? No, I think that it's fantastic that he um, will do that because I, I, I have a feeling if he makes that particular noise and I have learned what that noise is, it may be because of smoke. And it looks like we have another caller on the line. So Cheryl, if you would like to call us back next week, if you can, and let us know how that is going and, you know, God bless you with the fire. We were, you know, prayers, prayers for everybody affected by the Dixie fire and all the other fires going on right now. Okay. Thank you very much. That's, I've got lots of good information now. Thank you. Take bye -bye. care. Okay. Bye-bye. We have Jeff from Megalia with a cat question. That's right. Jeff, you're on animal yeah. calls. Hello, Ooh. Jeff. What's our cat question? <laughs> My cat's breath smells like cat food. <laughs> well have you asked your cat what your breath smells like <laughs> oh god no tell me the truth <laughs> no I, I i too was uh, well you know i'm up here in Miguelia, and i have this mm. tortie cat i guess she's a tortie calico looking thing and, and you know I'm, I'm just gonna throw in real quick almost always those are female by the way it's a it's yeah. a, a phenotype a phenotype thing that uh, almost it's almost entirely female cats that are calico. Go on. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I heard. Mm -hmm. But um, well, when we evacuated during the campfire, we had to put our cats in a a, a bed to take care of them because we were uh, you know on the road. <laughs> and um, ever since we got back. 
Alley Cat is by my side. I leave, she's in the window. I come home, she's in the window. I go in the other room, she's in the other room. I go in the restroom, she's in the other restroom. She's terrible separation anxiety now. So I'm I'm not surprised. I'm yeah. not surprised. Well, and your your house, your I'm guessing then your house didn't burn down. No, no. I'm just down the street from you. Where I was, yeah. Okay, so I I know the area. Um, animals, especially cats, dogs, dogs in particular, but cats as well. They're very scent oriented, and you brought the cat back into the same house where it had this traumatic experience of you know the cat knows it smells smoke and it's it's this is not a good situation um i imagine every time the cat is smelling that it's going to be triggered as we say with people into uh remembering a very negative situation and you're right back in that same house where like you the cat is probably always going to be on high alert um, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. my, my best suggestion is just management as much as you can with reassuring the cat that things are okay. Smell, maybe trying to replace some things around the house with, um, things that are more pleasant smelling. Hey, maybe some catnip and then the cat's breath would smell nicer. Mint, cats <laughs> love mint. <laughs> things that might have, um, a more positive scent going through that house than, you know, the trauma of this. I mean, what you're saying of the cat sitting in the window is really like breaking my heart because you know perhaps it's just on high alert looking for the worst and with what's going on right now i'm imagining that's just going to continue oh yeah um, yeah no no all of them are all of them are uh yeah there's any sound and we got planes and helicopters and everything flying over so they freak out well, you know, it's not only just the noise, but for an animal like a cat or a dog, it's the reverberation. You know, they're they're feeling uh, that noise, that thundering coming from the sky, and that's incredibly distressing to an animal. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they to it's it's what can I say when you live in a in a zone like that? Yeah, your animals are going to be nervous and and be um, expressing issues like that and displaying presenting issues like that best you can do is make it a make it a, a symbiotic thing of you've got the cat cat has you these are these are why these are emotional support animals and you know what we can be emotional support animals back to them as well stick close stick close to the kitty cat and my advice would be doing as much as you can with scent scent work uh getting uh, some mint mint really mint grows really well up there you can grow oh, your own yeah. mint get Get some mint plants and start growing them inside the house. And um, <laughs> my horse and geese are uh, making some noises right now themselves. But um, I would start with something like that, just reassuring the cat that things are, are well without you being nervous. That's very important. You know, we, we convey a lot of our own emotions, as Cesar Milan was huge about ex giving examples of that. You don't want to be just petting and petting and petting on that cat while you're nervous and saying, everything's okay, everything's okay. That is keeping something in a hysterical state even when we do that with people, we want to take deep breaths. We want to calm down. We want to remain relaxed and calm and just love on that animal. And I would really start maybe getting some mint. Get get yourself down to Chico when you can and get some mint from Home Depot and start planting some around the house and maybe some catnip and things too to uh, kind of yeah. calm, calm like them down. <laughs> now, 
Maybe burn some sage. Oh, no, maybe not the smoke. Ah, uh, no smoke. No smoke. No smoke. <laughs> How about no smoke? Let's not set anything on yeah. fire in the house right now. I know animals don't like, I don't think animals believe in saging because to mm. them, fire is fire and smoke is smoke. And I don't think they sit there and think, oh, but this is a healing smoke. I think that they think this is uh, an evacuation smoke. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got yeah. some cat couriers ready. Good. So. Good, yeah. Be prepared. We we have some other callers that I don't know how long they're going to be able to sit there and wait, but okay. um, you know what? Well, before if anything, we do, yeah. let's remind everyone that you're listening to Animal Calls Radio with Carpathia Kingsley, a certified animal behaviorist. And if you'd like to call into the question, our call-in line is 425-373-5527 or toll-free 888-298-KKNW or Five five six nine again eight 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 two nine eight five five six nine or four two five three seven three five five two seven. You can also visit us at animalcallsradio.com. And you're listening to us on KKNW Alternative Talk eleven fifty in Seattle. So we have another caller, Eric. We, let's we bring do. Him on. First, let's thank say, you, Anthony. Yeah, let's say thanks very much to Jeff for calling in today. And now we'll move on to David calling from Alabama. Has got a question about his puppy. Oh, goodness. How are we doing today, David? I'm doing this fine, KK. Um, I've got a little six-month-old half chihuahua, half weenie half. dog. So <laughs> a chihuahua. <laughs> yeah. A uh, chihuahua. <laughs> that's what it is. Cute in the butt. And her uh, <laughs> brother lives next door, and they play a lot. But she seems to be more interested in nipping him on his willy than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she, you're saying she's six months old. She's six months yeah. old. You know, um, well, I, okay. You know what? I'm going to start asking you some really weird questions. What mm -hmm. position is, what position does she have him in when she's doing that? She's laying on her back. On his, she, you know, she's, yeah, yeah she's on, on her, her back, back or he, on her back, and she'll wiggle on her and, you know, nippy. <laughs> I'm going to tell you my first thought on that. What does that sound like she's trying to replicate to you? Well, I don't know. <laughs> this is the, So this is a little baby dog. This is, I mean, six months old is actually, I mean, they're immature. They're, they're oh, physically yeah. more mature, but they are still very much mentally and emotionally immature. That honestly sounds to me like she's looking for a nipple. I think so. Think, think, oh, think about it. Yeah, think right. about it. She's probably looking for a nipple. She that that sounds like a nursing behavior. If she's laying on her back, she's laying down right. and she's trying yeah. to get up underneath him and nibble at his little private parts. Yeah, that is probably replicating um, nursing. To be honest, uh -huh. so if I had to take my best guess at that, she's just kind of you know wanting a mommy still looking for her mommy and uh replicating that and i would think that she's probably going to outgrow that you you might want to re, re redirect her to to water you know see if something like that would work to um kind of get her attention away so that he doesn't end up having any kind of little willy issues of uh, uh losing losing any of his manhood there and uh <laughs> <laughs> that because that wouldn't be i mean poor boy poor boy well, he doesn't he, he, yeah he, he doesn't 
straight up in there. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly would say, um, you know, is, is does she jab her head towards it at all? Is she like jabbing her head at it? Yep. Okay, yeah, that's nursing behavior. She she thinks wow. she probably thinks that's a nipple. She probably thinks that's a nipple, and she's um, and we don't, you know, I don't I don't even want to say this, but you know, we don't want her getting milk out of that. We don't want her getting any milk out of that. So um, I would try to kind of redirect her when she does. Give her love, give her some love, and redirect her to a bowl of water. Um, is is fine. Uh, I give my dogs on occasion raw goat milk, and I've never had a, an issue with them doing that. I I would think twice about cow milk because it does have lactose in it, and animals can have sensitivities to that. But you know, you, honestly, you can't go wrong with goat milk generally if if she's wanting something like that, and just redirecting the behavior because I certainly don't want it to be rewarded in any way. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I was a little I, concerned about that behavior. <laughs> but, I think know, she's going to be more, just fine. <laughs> you know, I know she's immature and it's not. Uh, you know, she, she's not in heat or nothing like that. So she's not interested in nothing like that. And no, she doesn't I, have any problem with milk. I just give her a little bit of, you know, like about once a week. But, yeah, you know, well, I don't really you know. Much milk. Most dogs don't need milk. Um, it is something that I, I, I kind of you know, break away from the some of the consensus of the crowd on that. Where I I have dealt with um, rehabilitating an animal that was almost d- dead from food poisoning and whatnot by mm. drenching them like a syringe with raw goat milk when there was nothing else um, that the dog would consume just to get them up right. and going and. I've had really good success with that. But in this case, I think she's just being a little baby. I think that she's just acting like a little baby and she's thinking that that's a nipple. And I would be concerned with him getting hurt with that. If you really want to stop that behavior, what you could do is when she's having playtime with him, you could get one of those wraparound boy diapers that you can get Mm. at places, um, you know, pet supply places, any place you get your pet supply stuff. It's a belly band that you wrap around the midsection and this also keeps the animal from, you know, if they're, if they do marking, if a male is peeing in the house or marking, but you could use that just as a, you know, distraction so that there's nothing there for her to get. But I do think she'll grow out of that behavior. And it's, I do think she's trying to replicate a, a nursing situation and looking for a nipple underneath the boy. And she just don't know any better, but she'll grow out of that. Right, I'm I would just just pick, pick pick her up and love on her. Pick her up and love on her, and give her some food. Well, they're so fast, you know. They're, I mean, you wouldn't think that they'd be that fast because they're so little, but they are. You know, well, usually usually little things are fast, <laughs> and they can they can shoot right out and slip away from you like that, and um, you know. And <laughs> that's actually kind of cute. It's actually kind of cute. That's sweet that she's got a real babyish kind of a thing going on. Just love on it and, and love her for being a little baby to you. Maybe, maybe you know, let her, let her suck on your, your hand a little bit or something. Take her away from the boy so he doesn't get hurt. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe sit there and play with her mouth a little bit. And, but, you know, then again, you don't want to get her to be nippy. You don't want her to be nippy. And those little guys can be very nippy. Little chewinies. Yeah, ooh, I'm, they can I'm, be. I'm working on that. You know, the nipping thing, you know, every time she starts to nip on my hand or something like that, you know, I'll say, no, 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 you know, and then she'll lick it, you know. But, 
that's a good time right now at, at that age to maybe look into getting her into some obedience classes too. get her on a leash, start working with her on leash and getting her into um, basic obedience. It's just such a great experience for anyone uh, to bond with their pet and to 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 get out there and do that. I know that uh, some of the local pet shops and whatnot like that will have classes inside the pet store. And if you look around and try to find a local trainer, they'll have outdoor kind of deals and sessions that they do on their, their property and in dog parks and stuff as well. It's a good time. It's a good time at six months for a little Chewini to, to go and do that. Just, just basic stuff, just some basic on-leash stuff. And that might help her kind of grow up a little bit too, because then she's going to be seeing other dogs and interacting with them and learning proper behavior right you know I'm, i live in the country on a lake and uh I, I tried the uh, leash the other day and she did not like it which you know was normal when you first put one on them but you know i'll figure pack she's she's too little I'll, I'll wait a little bit you know and then i'll try it again <laughs> so Oh, well, you have all the time in the world. <laughs> you, you've got a, a long, long life ahead with this little one. If she's only six months old, that's, you know, how wonderful, how wonderful. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's good that you're concerned about her and her behavior. And, you know, a lot of times people don't bother to get little dogs like Chewinis um, on leash and working with them that way. So kudos for doing that. Uh, sometimes what they prefer those little teeny dogs, so you're not dragging them around by the neck, is to get a little um, harness, yeah, and they have yeah. like the front connecting harnesses are are uh -huh. even are even I better. My, I have one for my service dog, my border collie. You've oh, you have a border collie. Yeah, you've seen pictures of him. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's that's fantastic. Right. Yeah. Well, Hank's a good dog. You know, but that's just, that's a kind of, uh, you know, he's got the service dog harness, you know, with the, where you fasten the leash on the top. And it's also got, a, you know, a hand grab on there, too. You know. Oh, that's wonderful. I, I love yeah. those. I love those kinds of halters um, or harnesses. I, I have a horse. I like saying halter all the time. And border collies are one of my favorite dogs. Oh, my goodness. The herding, Elder, the herding class. Elder what? Elderweeds. Your horse? The dog? No. Uh, oh, Edelweiss. Uh, Edelweiss. <laughs> okay. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like like the song, like the flower. Edelweiss is oh, a, a little white yeah, flower. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's. And so most people call him Eddie or Mr. Ed because it's hard to remember Edelweiss. And that's fine. He, he answers to Mr. Ed. He answers to Eddie. He answers to Eddie Spaghetti. He answers to Spaghettelweiss, you know? And he likes pizza. <laughs> and he and he gets up on my back porch and starts knocking over trash cans looking for pizza boxes. Yep. Yeah. I might yeah, I might have the that. only horse in the world that does that. I've 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 had horses my whole life. I've been a professional equestrian my whole life. And I and as you know, I do medieval jousting and I'm trained in medieval combat, not on my little guy because he's only fourteen hands. He's he's a half yeah. percheron, half Welsh pony. Um, oh, yeah. but I've never yeah, crazy combination, right? And yeah, and he huge. <laughs> and and then Welsh ponies are real little, and he's 
half yeah. and half. But uh, so he he's he's unlike any horse I've ever had. You know, I've I have never had a horse before that would go looking through trash cans for pizza and and eating pizza for his birthday. And and I'm again, I'm I'm not sitting here telling people that they ought to feed their horses pizza and chicken sure, sandwiches yeah, and all yeah. that. I'm just especially not feed them beefaroni like on Seinfeld. <laughs> Wasn't it? Was it beefaroni? I thought it was a can of beefaroni because Kramer. <laughs> Kramer went and bought some beefaroni at the at the bulk store, right? And he had too much, so he decided to give it to the horse that he was using to take the people around in Central Park. So don't feed your horse beefaroni. And while I'm on the subject, I want to remind you that you're listening to Certified Animal Behaviorist Carpathia Kingsley. And you can call in with a question about animal behavior, about your pets, your livestock, anything. The number to call, 425 373 or you can also visit our website at animalcallsradio.com and we have the numbers posted there yeah do we still have our caller on the line uh yeah i'm still here <laughs> so yeah um we we don't we don't want to feed horses the beef aroni especially if uh we're sitting behind them as they're pulling a cart like kramer did in seinfeld right. oh no that could be bad <laughs> <laughs> well you know who uh, he he didn't know any better and neither does my horse uh, that brings me back to the the fire in my horse too i i was saying before i did not leave my horse behind in the fire i i actually I had a yeah, I had one of those miracle God moments, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. I am a scientist, but I'm gonna tell you right now that when that when the town burned down, I was on the phone at one point with my insurance, someone from my insurance, and she kind of stuttered over this, saying, "Well, thank g goodness that you got out." And I'm like, "You wanted to say thank God," and I'm like, "You go ahead and say that because I don't think there was anybody who wasn't praying on November the eighth of 2018 that lived up on that mountain and." In my case, I did fall to my knees and start praying to God to help me get my horse out. And again, I'm a scientist, um, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a sense of spirituality. Um, I think that those two, yeah, I think those two things actually can live together quite harmoniously, uh, actually, in my opinion. But uh, as I was on my knees praying to God to help me get my horse out of this fire and to get all of us out of this fire, a total stranger went driving by with an empty horse trailer and i've told wow. this story to the to the news i was interviewed on on the news in northern california it was um, out in san francisco they were playing this and everything and i was in the san francisco chronicle uh, being quoted saying all this that a total stranger went by with an empty horse trailer and i yelled and that person stopped i was the only person in my neighborhood with livestock so you don't see people driving down the road with a horse trailer and so this guy stopped well, oh even better even better so this guy stopped and i go running up to him and i said are you looking for livestock to save are you here looking for animals to save and he said no and i i asked him why, why, are you, why are you driving down the road with an empty horse trailer? And he looked at me and said, I, I use it for hauling trash. And I was thinking I would live in it if my house burns down. And I pointed at my horse and I said, do you see my horse over there? Please, 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 please. Can I borrow this horse trailer to get my horse off of this mountain? I'll pay you anything. I will give you the horse trailer right back. And the guy stopped and he was like, okay. And he unhooked the horse trailer, and then my next-door neighbor hooked that horse trailer up to his RV, got my horse in it, and we were gone. And because Ed Edelweiss is um, 
extremely easygoing and uh, an animal that I handle and manage all the time. I can get him to do just about anything I want him to do because he trusts me and we have that kind of a relationship. He was up in that trailer in two seconds and that was the final piece of the puzzle for me to get out. I, I already had my goat in a kennel that I'm going to say she didn't fit in. She did not fit into the kennel that I got her into, but I managed to grab her by the horns and shove her forward. And I'm going to say something, again, doesn't sound real nice, but this was something I would even mention in my classes when we were, you know, at the UW, when we were talking about animal management and everybody, you know, it likes to kind of pussyfoot around being nice, being nice, being nice with your animals. And of course you should, of course you should. We all, we love our animals. We all love our animals, but I'm telling you, yeah. There's situations where it's like, you know what, I you're getting into this tiny little kennel or you're going to die. And uh, a trick that you can learn from cowboys and, you know, cowboys know what they're doing and they know uh, when when time is of the essence how to get something going. If you if you grab that tail and you kind of twist that tail because you can't drag. Yeah. An, yeah, you can't drag an animal into the cage unless you're into the cage with it. If you get their head in there and then you twist that tail and bump them into the kennel. Keep that in mind. If you ever have a large animal that you got to get into something like livestock and you need to be twisting tails and bumping butts and you get them in there because you know what? You're doing it out of love, not hate. And and I was able to get everybody out of that fire. But, you know, I'm, I'm thanking you for. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, you know, and now I've got friends that are right back in it that are, are dealing with this, including Anthony over here on on the show. Who uh, keeps reminding me to give us the the call numbers out, um, and then he jumps in and he's so graciously doing it for me. But um, he's 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 dealing with it right now, where he he is under evacuation right now. He's not at home. Uh, I've, and, heard, I've been watching a little bit. Of, uh, yeah, and he's he got pie. his little doggy out. And, Rhode um, Island, I think, right? Say that again. The fire has got more square acres in Rhode Island. I don't know. Well, I know Rhode Island's always used as an example of something little. Yeah. And so I, I don't know how many acres Rhode Island consists of, well, but I believe <laughs> <laughs> I believe that the Dixie Fire now is, is correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, I think it's over 140,000 acres. That's Isn't that correct. Right? Yeah. It yeah. is. And there's lots of people dealing with animal evacuation issues up there. Um, and, the, woods, um, the woods are evacuating. The animals run. Well, yeah, and that that creates a sad situation, too. I was mentioning last week, I had to go back and live up there after the fire um, because my house did not burn. And you're seeing some crazy behavior. Four o'clock in the afternoon, you've got mountain lions just walking down the street and down the middle of your road looking for easy meals. So you're having to keep your pets contained. You want to think about things like that. The the woods have been burned out and, and these animals are still out there looking for food and there's no food to be had. So, um, you know, an easy meal could be your, your little dog or your goat or whatever that's running down the road or, or, you know, again, keep, keep everybody locked up, keep an eye on everybody, have good fencing. Have, good. I've got, yeah. I've got eagles. <sighs> and you got Just a reminder. Eagle? We've got 10 minutes approximately left in the show. And if you want to call and ask a question about animal behavior for your pet, your livestock or whatever, call, 
373-5527 to talk to Carpathia, who is our certified animal behaviorist, and she'll be able to answer your questions. You can also visit our website at animalcallsradio.com, and the numbers are there. Now, I'm going to get back to what you were just saying about having a little six-month-old Chewini and eagles. Talk to me about that. You, you, would well, you have trees I, around? Is this possibly oh, a yeah, threat? Yeah, I, I, I've got mountains, little, you know, they're little mountains. And uh, I live right on a, uh, I live below the dam on a lake. And uh, the fishing's fantastic. And uh, I've got several fam- several, several families of ocelots. And then I have uh, several families of bald eagles, too. So I don't let my dog run out in the yard much. I was going to say. Yeah, you definitely want to do something. Do you have a a really good fenced yard and, um, you know, something that you can do as well? I I live in an area, too, in the woods where we have tons of bald eagles and we have vultures and you name it. And um, I had a situation, you'll like this, where there was just my my baby goats had just been born. And I'm out there watching these little things bounce around like little bunny rabbits. And all of a sudden, there's this huge influx of bald eagles and vultures all over the place. And I'm thinking, great, you know, I got these little baby baby goats out there. So I, I mentioned it to my next door neighbor and told him, you know, he's got goats. Have you noticed all of these bald eagles? What's with all the bald eagles? And he goes, well, that's probably my fault, his, uh, because he said he found a dead deer and he gutted it <laughs> and he cleaned it and used it, you know, for food, but he dumped all the guts out in the woods. So, hey, thanks for attracting every bald eagle and vulture in town. So what I did was I went to the dollar store and I got a bunch of those little cheap flags that are strung together. And I did that just back and forth and back and forth all over the the top of the goat pen. It looks like a used goat sales lot right now. But anything that you can do that would distract an aerial attack, uh, animals like eagles and hawks and whatnot, they 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 rely on ambushing and that's knowing that they're they're going to come down and they want to nail their prey out of nowhere and, and pull an ambush on it and they know that they have to have a clear shot coming in and they need a clear shot going out that's why your your biggest issue would be something little running in a big open field that's a easy one for them to swoop down and hit and take. So you want to put up as many distractions as you can up in the yard. Anything shiny, uh, things that flicker, um, stringing wires back and forth and hanging CDs on them. Anything that they think they could get tangled up in is a huge dis- uh, dissuasion for them to not swoop in and, and try and get you. Um, and you're also dealing with animals on the ground, like you're saying, small wild cats. Did you say ocelots? Ocelot, yeah, the sea eagle. You've got wild ocelots? I do. No, not, not the four-legged kind, the, the ones with wings. Sea eagle. An ocelot. Okay, not an ocelot. An ocelot is, is, is a little cat. Well, I mean, it's a wild yeah, cat. Yeah, 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 that's right. Not an ocelot. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I, well, I didn't I think, think that those were native. To... I think it's called okay. the same, they're not. They're here in South America. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I was going to say, who, who let one loose that, that went and had a bunch of kittens? <laughs> yeah, right. No, we got wildcats, you know, and I, I've never seen a, a, any cougars around here, but I'm sure they're around. You know, Yo, bobcats uh, and all I, that. I, I, live, I live right across the street from where I live as a, a national forest. There's nothing there gotcha. but forest. I know? would never let that little chewini out by itself. 
never, never, never. And I would be real careful to keep an eye on aerial attacks like that and maybe string some stuff up in the yard just to make it not look like an inviting place for the eagles and whatever hawks and stuff you have to come swooping down into your yard. They, they do not like things dangling and shiny and stuff that they could get tangled up in. So, you know, have fun, have fun with it. Right. Uh, the eagles are uh, very territorial. Right. You know, we have very few hawks right in here. But the we have the, uh, I, I thought they were called ocelots, uh, you know, the sea <laughs> eagles. You know, they got their... Are, they are you thinking of an osprey? Osprey, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Osprey. Oh, right. I, okay. I got like three or four families of them. They're fishermen. You know, right. they fish constantly. And the eagles fish, too. Well, they when do, they and hopefully, up, yeah. Hopefully, do. there's enough of those to keep them occupied to where that's what they're they're used to being their their normal fare of what they're having, and not looking at little chewy dogs that could be nice and yummy and chewy and crunchy and all that. <laughs> yeah, because they be they be gone with it quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would not let that little thing out without you being right there and keeping your eyes to the sky too. And, and I would still, I would string some stuff up in those trees to dangle something. Like I say, you can go to the dollar store right. and get those little flags. Well, I, I may string, I've already got something strung up. It's really? got gourds on it that the uh, Eastern bluebirds live in them. And uh, That's I fabulous. may string, yeah, I may string something. They, they like those gourds. And well, we've I'm only thinking, got, we've only got, four minutes left on the show right now and i i'm not sure if we had another caller and i'm being asked to do another announcement for the the call in number and okay. to get in touch well, with us but i am so glad you called you know what i want you to call back next week if you can and give us an update on if that little baby's still trying to do that okay i'll do it kk take care you too thanks <laughs> oh so we eric we do not have i thought we had another caller on the line no, but we can have people call in. You can call 425-373-5527 for a quick question to certified animal behaviorist Carpathia Kingsley, 425-373-5527. And while we're waiting for another caller, I have a, a question uh, about a cat I used to have. And I've seen this behavior before, but my cat would come up to um, the sliding glass door for the patio and do this. He would take the paws and just like he's running on the glass. And I've seen cats do this. Any other ideas about why cats do that? Well, I mean, my first uh, idea would be that's kind of fun. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> pe people run on treadmills. I mean, the cat could be, depending on the relationship that you have with the cat, the communication that you have with the animal, that could be the cat asking to be let out. If if the cat's been conditioned that when it does that, you open the door, that very much sounds like, you know, hey, 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 can you open up the door? And if you've done this in the yeah. past and the cat is understanding that this is what it does to get the door open then the cat's basically saying can you open up the door but, yes, but then uh, it comes decision time and you know how cats are you open the door then they sit there and then they decide well do i really want out or not i'll have I've, to sit here and think about it and then you close the door and then they go back to wanting out again 
<laughs> I've dated people like that. I've dated people like that. <laughs> you know, where do you want to go out to dinner? I don't know. You know, let's go here. No, no, I've changed my mind. Yeah, no, it's, um, you know, cats, cats are cats and they do their thing of uh, in, out, in, out. But um, that's, that's what they do. But, you know, I mean, there's so many reasons why a cat might do that. Number one would probably be the conditioning of the cat is used to being released when you're doing that. Uh, number two would be it is just kind of fun. It's kind of like running on a treadmill and you're sliding on that surface. So it's fun to do. Another reason could be because it's seeing its reflection. If there's showing, if the animal's showing hostility and baring its teeth or hissing at the door when it's doing that, it could be reacting to its own reflection, thinking it's another cat. And sometimes there is another cat or an animal out there that they see and they're wanting to get at that. So they're going for it. So, you know, there's so many reasons. That's why you, sometimes we have to go into a person's house and watch what's going on. Is this our takeout music? It All is. right. Well, as we sign out for the day, remember, these are my monkeys. This is my circus, and I am the ringmaster. You can enjoy my show every Friday at the noon hour here at KKNW 1150 AM radio. And if you have any questions or show ideas, visit animalcallsradio.com and drop us a note. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And remember, horse sense is what keeps horses from betting on people. You take care, and everybody have a wonderful weekend. Peace. Thank you.